Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. So as you find your seats this morning, let me uh, repeat what Josh has said already, and that is welcome to Calvary. We're glad that you've joined us, and we're looking forward to this whole morning together. So we've enjoyed some amazing music, and now we continue in, in God's Word, so I'm glad you've, you've joined with us for that. Uh, obviously, we've had a kind of a frigid week. Some temperatures have been a little bit, uh, a little on the cold side. Uh, but I don't know if you all noticed this. It came out on Facebook. There was a sign in Nokomis, at the bank in Nokomis, that said, negative 73 degrees. <laughs> now, it was cold. I don't think it was quite that cold, okay? You Nokomis people can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a little bit colder than I... I thought, well, maybe that's Celsius. Well, if that's Celsius, that's 99 degrees Fahrenheit. So, either way, I think there's a miscommunication. But anyway, it was cold this week, okay? We all can agree with that, all right? So, but it's warm here, and we're enjoying this particular day. We are, we are in a series. We're talking about holy habits. We're talking about those, those things that, uh, that we believe God wants us to, to make a, a regular part of our lives, and, and in that walking our spiritual growth and just in our, uh, our growth as a person, all of those things I think God has in mind for us. Here's our, our scripture that we've been looking at, kind of the basis for it. First Timothy chapter number 4, uh, starting in verse number 7, the, the Bible says this. Um, he said, train or exercise yourself to be godly. And that's word exercise, as we think. It means to, to work it out, to, to put effort into it. He says, for physical training or exercise is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. So if you're, if you're willing to, to put, and we know we put effort into so many things, the fact that we put it into the, what God wants for our lives and being who he's called us to be, that in itself has so many more benefits now and forever. So it's, it's a great pr- principle. We've talked about a couple of habits. Uh, the first one being the habit of, of love itself. Motiv- the motivation behind it all should be our love for God, our love for others, uh, the love that's moving and, and just flowing from what he has given us. Last week we talked about the habit of, of being regular, regular, consistent in your scriptures on a daily basis, letting the word of God um, uh, get into the word of God so the word of God can get into you. And, and I had a great uh, conversation with some folks this week about how they use, and I hope if you haven't got these, that maybe this week you'd pick these up. Just These are just tools, methods, but a 30-day challenge to go through the word of God in a couple of years, the same with this. And, and some of the comments coming back of how maybe this was new, they liked being Old and New Testament at the same day. Just it's a, it, Again, it's a tool, but it is an important thing to let the word of God truly get into our lives and see what God's word will change for us. So that's where we've started from. Now, this today, as we move forward, we're going to take that same book of New, 1 Timothy, Paul talking to his friend Timothy, tells us about exercising. Well, in that, just a few verses later, we move to chapter number 6 of the book of 1 Timothy, and, and here's what he, he tells his friend, and we're going to talk about the audience later, but he says very quickly to his, his pastor friend Timothy, this is what you need to tell your church, he says, command them to do good to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous. Or your version may say, be ready to give and willing to share. Today we're talking about, as part of a believer's habits, part of our exercise, the way that God wants us to grow, would have to include the consideration of this particular habit, the habit of giving. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today, the idea of giving. Now, I automatically know when I mention the word giving, we know that that has dollars and cents attached to it. Dollars and cents is often a taboo subject. I mean, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about money, right? So we're going to talk, but what we're talking about is something that is very important in Scripture. But let me be, can I just be transparent for a moment? Is that all right if I be honest for a change? Is that all right? Is everybody okay with that? Okay, let me be transparent for a minute. This particular topic is one that, that I personally have struggled with for years, specifically about talking about it. And I'll, and I'll just, and I'm being transparent, this is, I'll give you some reasons why. Number one, because I've always felt, I felt inadequate about money. I never quite understood it, never was, I never was taught much about it, and so I just have always had this love-hate relationship with it. I knew that it was important, I knew it paid the bills, I knew that, that you know, some people had it, some people, I understood that, I had kind of this, this vague concept of it, but it really kind of scared me. I was intimidated by it. Early in our marriage, my wife, Shelly, and I, we made some bad choices about, got into some debt, and so that didn't help anything, right? So then we're looking, and we, we, we worked through that, and we made, uh, got getting kind of moved past that debt and working through some of the things, and, and, and so we kind of got past that. We've learned some things. That's great. In fact, I, I would recommend a couple of books. Uh, Dave Ramsey, of course, has been a very helpful in my life, The Total Money Makeover. Uh, there's a guy named Ron Ballou writes some great stuff. Uh, uh, and, uh, there, there's other specifically Christian authors that help you understand this. We have some great resources right here in our church, the Jacksons and the Bowers. They've done a great job of just helping to teach people. And so I've listened and I've learned and I've grown. But here's where the enemy has attacked me and saying, well, then why are you talking about this? You don't even get it yourself. So I have all this doubt about, you know, I really feel inadequate to talk about money. So sometimes that's been part of my issue. I, I, I've given all of my life, except for a short period of time. I've always given, but that's part of my misunderstanding is it was more out of obligation, out of almost fear, rather than out of love and out of what God had for me. So I've, I've had these miscommunications, misunderstandings of most of my life as I talk about money. And so that's part of my issue. Part of the issue is also I know that as a speaker, that the idea of talking about money, and especially in church, you hear about, oh, you don't talk about money because that's all the church talks about is money, right? People say that. That's kind of a comment. And you know what? What's funny is that's kind of true and not true. Really, the church doesn't, and people use that as an excuse. But here's, again, you talk about how the, the enemy works. Someone, this is a true story, someone a few years ago, right from this church, who left our church out of some other issues. It wasn't the money issue, but they, they had a comment that came back to me, and this is what they said. Oh, you don't go to that church. That Pastor Steve, all he wants is your money. I said, really? When have, how often do I really talk about money? So it's it just people use that as an excuse. And so that kind of rattles around in the back of my brain when I start talking about money. Then when I, start, when I think about the idea of talking about money, then I I hear people, you know, the preachers get up and they, they almost apologize for talking about it. And they're saying, and I actually have heard them this week, I heard two guys say this. When I talk about money, I'm just, I don't, we're not really want, we don't need your money here, we don't want it. And my first thought is, you are lying <laughs> right through your teeth. Because that's how God chooses to finance his churches, through people. So I, I don't know, there's no, there are probably a few, but most preachers I know probably wouldn't talk about money if it wasn't important for the income of their church. I'm not, I just, let's be genuine. I don't want to be disingenuous here. It's, so all of those things rolling through my head, and to be honest, anytime you talk about this, when I, when I think giving to Calvary does matter, 
But I also know that, there are, there, that God's bigger than all of that, and he provides, and he does great things. So all this rattling around in my head, if you could have been in my head this week, it would have been, well, it's always a scary place, but it would have been a real scary place this week. But here's something, towards the end of this week, Thursday and Friday, God and I have been talking and, and studying and so forth, and, and I, I've been sharing all these things that I shared with you, and, the, and, and I, I, I believe, I'm just being honest, I think I had a breakthrough this week. Yay, this is awesome, okay? Because I'm finally starting to gather that this is such an important topic, not just for me, but for you and for our church. And, and, God, and, and I'm actually, believe it or not, I'm actually kind of excited about what we're going to talk about today. Even though it has to do with money, it's like God said, do you realize how, how cool this is, what we're talking about and what I've shown and what I, and, and I, I really think I'm going to be excited about it in the future because there's something that God is, and I have learned, God hasn't learned, he's taught me throughout this whole process, and I'm excited to share that with you. Here's one of the reasons we know, and this you've probably heard before, but do you recognize that the Bible, one of the most, the most talked about topics in the scripture is the topic of money. There's over 2,300 scriptures on the topic of money. There's more scriptures on money than on salvation, on redemption, on heaven, hell. So just think about it. If God knew that it was that important, there's a reason. And I think when Jesus comes, and this is a familiar to many of you, Jesus kind of did, in, in the modern terminology, he did one of those drop-the-mic principle moments, right? It was one of those, he said this, and you're like, wow, that was big. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 21, here's what Jesus said. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wow. That means that there's a string connected from your heart to your, to your checkbook. For those of you who've never seen a checkbook before, that'd be your wallet or your purse or your ATM card. But you have to get the principle. There is a connection between your heart and your money. And Jesus said that where your money is, your heart's going to be very close in the vicinity. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it, it is important, and it's a great way for us to understand that. So that being said, and knowing what we're talking about, we're going to look at the idea of the habit of giving, and we're going to use the four words that we've talked about the last few weeks, because I think that's a great way to look at it. We're going to talk about the what, the why, the how, and the who of the habit of giving. So let me start with the what. I'm going to be very honest. It's very simple. The objective is quite clear today. We're talking about here's, here's the objective that I hope we move to by the time we get to the end. My prayer is that by the end, you take your next step in giving to God's work. I don't know where that is, but my prayer is you're going to take a next step. You're going to commit to a next step in giving financially to God's work. Now, let me just kind of set the stage. Right off the bat, let's be clear. At the very core of giving Giving itself, the very principle of it, has, has an important resource, an important starting point, and that is God himself. James tells us every good and perfect gift comes from God, from the Father of heavenly lights, okay? All the good gifts start from him. So God is, when you want to talk about the, the, uh, the art of giving, God is the master of the art of giving, and his Rembrandt of being an artist in giving John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Giving, the whole concept, starts with God himself. 
Then Jesus kind of reiterated, re-spoke re, uh, about that. His whole life was about giving and this whole idea of gift and everything. And it's described, Jesus is described this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 8. It says, for you know that the grace, that word grace is also often translated gift, the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. He's talking about that picture so we understand it. That Jesus had everything and gave it all up so that you could have everything. So that you could have life eternal and life forever. That's, that's the whole, giving starts with God. If you understand about it, the whole example, God is the teacher, God is the example. Eternal life now and forever. So before we get even started, let's make sure we understand. Money aside, the biggest thing about giving is there is a gift out there, and it has your name on it. It was given by God through his son, Jesus Christ. I have a simple question. Have you ever received that gift? Do you re- have you ever recognized that you're a sinner lost before a holy God, and God gave you a gift of forgiveness and salvation, and that gift was wrapped in the person of his son, Jesus, who died on the cross and rose again? Have you received that gift? If not, please, without everything else I say, that's the point you need to hear today. That God loves you, and he gave the greatest gift of all, and that was his son. And you simply have to receive that gift. See, that's all of this stuff about giving starts with God himself. So we we come to that. That's the what. My, my, My goal is today that at some point you take a next step in giving, letting God be our example. So here's where we're going to spend the majority of our time today, and that's the second word. That is why. Why is this giving, taking this next step in giving, why is that important? Well, now that we've talked about who, where giving started, let's go to the source himself. Acts chapter 20, verse number 35, Jesus himself said, say this with me if you would, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, some people would argue with that. I mean, especially as you're opening your Christmas gifts and all that. We, we understand. But Jesus was very clear. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But the question is, what does he mean by that? Why is it more blessed to give than to receive? Of course, he gave us the example of giving. But how does that, how does that work? How does this, this idea of, of giving make that much, that much of a difference? So this morning, what I want to do is we want to talk about this why. And to, to do that, we're going to go back like I think we, is a great way to start. Let's go back to the beginning, get an idea of where giving started. We know how God is the giver, but we're going to go back to, if you have your Bibles, your Bible apps, you're going to see it on the notes or on the screens. We're going to go back to the book of Genesis. We're going to get this idea of, of how, this whole thing, how this whole thing started. What we're going to find, maybe this will be surprising to you, that the whole idea of giving from a human standpoint happened very early in human history. In fact, as we're, going to, as we're going to see this, when you look at Genesis specifically, Genesis is a great point to learn some principles about Bible interpretation, and that is whenever God introduces a topic, and he introduced a lot of biblical topics in the book of Genesis, most of them, and that first time that he mentions them, he kind of sets a foundation for the way that they're going to be seen throughout the rest of Scripture. So if we find giving early in Genesis, we're going to learn some things about giving as it's going to be seen in all of Scripture and how God wants us to understand it. So we go to Genesis chapter number 4, and we, we just to get, catch you up from there, we know the first two people, Adam and Eve, right? We know they had, they, they sinned, they fell, that we, we got that, that's chapter three. Well, Adam and Eve now begin to, to repopulate the earth, as they were called to do. Their first two children are by, they're boys by the name of Cain and Abel. 
uh, Cain and Abel, we come in verse number, chapter number 4 and verse number 3. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering. You might want to circle that, an offering to the Lord. And verse 4, and Abel also brought an offering. Let me stop there. The word offering is the idea, it's literally the word gift. It's the word tribute. It's the word, it's a sacrifice, but it was something that was given in response to, okay? They, they give, so the first idea of giving comes from these two guys. Cain and Abel both brought a gift to God. Now, it goes on to describe Abel's gift was fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Now, in case you're not familiar with this story, there's an interesting twist here. The next words say, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, what happens at this point is the second recorded sin that we have in Scripture. It's the first major crime reported in history. It's the whole, you know, the law and order, da-da-dum, because it's going to be murder. Because of this anger over this offering, Cain actually kills his brother Abel, takes his brother's life over this, this anger, over this, this whole issue. That's a, that's a topic for another, but I, I want us to focus on that offering that these two guys brought. In fact, the book of Hebrews kind of refers to this and specifically focuses on this offering. Hebrews 11 and verse 4 says, By faith... Abel brought God a better offering. That's interesting to me. He brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Now, that may seem odd to you. Did you catch that? God actually judges our giving? God actually rates giving? One better than the other? One more commended than the other? Here's something that I learned right off the bat, and that is that not all giving is created equal. Just because someone gives, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the same as someone who gives less than, or there, there's all these other principles. They're not all created equal, and what I know immediately, it is, has nothing, and I repeat, nothing to do with the amount of the gift. We never see the amount of gift in, the, in the, this particular, we don't know how much, it has nothing to do with the, there's something always in giving, there's something always going on behind the scenes. Something that maybe we see, but chances are God sees, and maybe only God sees what's actually going on, but there is something going on behind the scenes of giving. Like in the story that Jesus told, Luke chapter number 21. You remember this story, there's a, a, a widow, he's in the temple, Jesus is in the temple, he watches as rich people are bringing their offerings and, and they're making a big to-do and everybody's all amazed by their offerings. And then, verse 2, a poor widow comes by, drops in two small coins. All right, the, the, all the people are coming in and they're making noise with all their offering. Here comes a widow, she brought, drops in two pennies, equivalent perhaps even less than that. And Jesus turns, in verse 3, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all of the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she has. It wasn't the amount, it was something else going on. 
There was a motive. There was a heart. And giving is always comes back to that. Old Testament, New Testament, whenever you talk about giving, God's not looking at the amount, the, the dollar figure. He's looking at the heart, the motive, the, the reasoning behind it. That, that leads me to our first principle that we're going to talk about today. Giving is meant to be, what I learned from Genesis, an act of worship. Giving is meant to be an act of honoring God with, with the things that we possess and as we're giving back to him. When we go back to that original example, I, I want to look at it again, Genesis 4.3, when it says that Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil and an offering, Abel brought an offering, fat portions of the firstborn, and the Lord looked with favor on one, and he didn't look with favor on the other. And, and the question is, and maybe you've asked it, what's the big difference? We don't know an amount, so we're not, so what, what is the, the, the big difference? Was the problem with the gift itself that God didn't, you know, veggies versus animals? Because what we're going to find later is God accepts gifts of produce as well as animals. So I don't think it has anything to do with the, with the, the problem. And here's what's interesting is we don't have any instructions. We, it, it, it's implied that Cain and Abel knew what God wanted. Because they gave it and God was displeased. So it's, it's implied that they knew, but we don't know exactly what it was that God said. But it doesn't seem to have anything to do with veggies and animals, Right? Is it, is it about the amount? Again, we have no record of how much they gave. So what's the difference in this story? If you look again, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Here's a principle that I think we can understand is this is, begins a principle that we'll see throughout Scripture, and that is that the idea of giving God our first becomes very, very important. That God deserves the first. In the, in the, later in the Bible, when it talks about crops, you're to give the first fruits of your crops. And when it talks about the animals, you're to give the firstborn, the, 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 the one that's, that comes out first. Everything was about, the, even, for, even to the people when they dedicated, it was to be the firstborn. I think the writer of Proverbs ties it all together. Listen to what he says in chapter 3. He says, honor. That word honor means to make weighty with, with respect, with reverence. Honor the Lord with your wealth. You know what? We could stop right there and go home. If we would just get in our minds that our, what we have, our wealth, our money, honor God with it. Give him reverence with your money. Boy, that's a sermon right there, is it not? Just honor God. Worship God with your money. But look how he describes that worship. With the first fruits of all your crops. With the first part. I'm going to worship God with my money, and it's going to start by giving him the first of what I have. It, I give to God. That's it. When I'm giving, and we're talking about this, it's not, I'm not giving to a preacher. I'm not giving to an organization. I'm giving to God. But I'm giving to God and I'm giving of my firsts. I'm giving of what is first in my life. Why? Why is that important? First indicates, well, it indicates priority. Indicates like we know in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Put him first in priority. Put him first at the top of the list of all. Put him first before anything else, right? That's, it talks about priority. It also talks about quality. It was implied in your first that you're giving the best of what you have. And it, it's just the idea of I give the birth right off the top. I give the best. I give the first, the quality. 
but it also indicates a matter of trust. If I'm giving to God first, then that means that I'm going to trust that there's more to follow and he's going to provide. If I give to God, if I say, you know what, I'll give to God after I've paid everything and I've done all of that, then we're saying, God, if I have it, he says, give it to me first and then trust that the, the spigot keeps moving. Does that make sense? It's a matter of trust as well as a matter of quality. When we talk about that, when it leads us to another first that's mentioned in the book of Genesis, if you follow me in your Bibles, Genesis chapter number 14, we have another one of these big firsts. And, and this guy is a, a, one of the big characters in the scriptures. His name's Abraham. Originally, he was, his name was Abram before God changed it. So, you know, Father Abraham had many sons, right? We talked about him a few weeks ago. This guy... Abraham's life teaches us a lot, including about giving. Here in chapter number 14, what happens in Abraham had a nephew named Lot. And Lot had moved to a town, and, and while he was away, that town was attacked. And Lot and all of his family was taken, were kidnapped, right? They kidnapped them. They kidnapped many of the other people from the town. And they took all the possessions. They just looted the whole town. The enemy did, and they took off. These kings took off, right? Well, Abram learns about the plight of his, of his nephew. And this is it's a great story. I just You go read it because it's interesting what happens. Abraham takes 318 trained soldiers. And I, I mean trained. I mean, we're talking special ops guys here. These had to be Navy SEAL, you know, Ninja Warrior. I don't know what they were because these 318 took on four kingdoms, four kings of army, and they won. These 318 guys beat four kings, and in the process, they got Lot, all of his family, all the people back, and all of their possessions. They got it all back. Everything that was taken, they got it all, all back. In verse number 17 now, here's what happens. After Abraham returned from defeating, uh, well, you can say that name, okay, Kittlelomar, all right, um, and the kings allied with him. That the king of Sodom, the king that he'd, he'd rescued, came out to meet him. And, and here's what happens. The king, he comes out to congratulate him. He comes to tell Abraham, you know, thank you for all you've done. Verse 18. Then this comes interesting. Another man enters the scene. His name is Melchizedek. It says Melchizedek, king of Salem. I love saying Melchizedek. It sounds like a linebacker for the Bears. You know what I'm saying? It's just, that's a great name, okay? But Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. And notice his identification. Melchizedek was a priest of God Most High. Now, let's make sure we understand who this was. This is 500 years plus before Moses was on the scene, before the law was ever given, before God ever kind of organized all of the law and all the things we were supposed to do. 500 years before that, but there are still, besides Abraham, there are others who are following God. And one was the name of, by the name of Melchizedek, who was a priest of God, right? He was one that stood in the place of God. And here's, here's what we have about this guy, verse 19. And he, the priest, he blessed Abraham. He said, blessed be the Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. Praise be to the God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. What a prayer. But notice what Abram does. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Remember, he gathered all the stuff back. Now the priest comes out to meet him, a priest of God, and Abram gives him a tenth of all of the stuff that he accumulated from that raid and getting the enemies back. Gave him one the, the, the English word for a tenth is the word tithe. 
That's what we use the, when we talk about the word tithe. We're talk, it's very simply defined. A tithe is one-tenth. He gave him a tithe of all, of, of all the stuff that he had got back, all the income, if you would, had got back. Now, here's again, just like Cain and Abel. We don't see anywhere where God instructed Abraham to do this. We don't get any details about that. Somehow it's implied that Abram knew that the way that he honored God after his victory was to give 10%, a tenth of what he had, to the, the representative for God, to the priest of God. And what this now we have, not only giving, giving to God, giving from the right heart, but now we even have been given this, this instruction, this principle of this starting point for giving, which we know is Abraham's terminology is, is a tent. And let me finish this part of the story. Verse 21 goes on to say, then the king of Sodom, the guy who was congratulating, said to Abram, give me the people and you keep the goods for yourself. Now that's a, quite an offer. He said, Abram, you know what? Thank you so much. You just, we're going to, we'll take all our people and go home, but you keep all the stuff. <laughs> that's, some of you go, yes, sir, I'm out of here, right? Well, here's what Abram said. But Abram said to the king with raised hand, I've sworn an oath to the Lord most high creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a strap of the sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. Here's what Abram's saying. Another principle we learn is that this king was never going to be the source for Abraham's wealth. He was never going to be able to look at him and say, well, that guy made me wealthy. He said, I depend on God. He got us the victory. I depend that he will take care. I don't need your stuff. Boy, that's a principle to learn, isn't it? Do you realize that the source for your income is not your job? It's not your savvy investment strategies? The source of everything we have is sometimes we think, well, this made me rich and that made Do you understand that everything we have has a source and it's a little higher than, than what we have in our portfolios? God, Abraham's saying, listen, I get where I came from. It all comes from God, and I depend on him. Which leads me to a second principle statement I want us to get about giving. Giving is also a statement of faith. Giving is meant to be worshipped to God, and it's also a statement of faith. The concept of tithing that Abraham uh, introduces here, becomes, later it will become an official part of the law. 500 plus years later when Moses sits down and God tells him, it becomes an official part. In fact, here's what Leviticus chapter 27 says. Uh, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. A tithe, a tenth of everything, that goes back, it, 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 we give it back to, to God. It, every spring and every fall, every time they had the, the two different harvests, their, their first stop was the first 10% goes to God. And that was now becomes part. They learned that principle from Abraham before the law was ever given. Now this becomes a part of who they are. And now by faith, we will live on the other 90%. We give the first, we give that, that doesn't, that doesn't even belong, we know it all came from God, but we just say this is holy to him. We give the 10% and then we trust him to help us to live on the, on the other. That, that's a statement of who God is. It's a statement of, of what I believe about him and that I believe he is strong, my dependence on him, that everything comes from him. He deserves glory, honor. In fact, when you get to Deuteronomy, it says about this, that you're supposed to bring the tithe. It said in Deuteronomy chapter number 14, bring the tithe so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. 
He says there's something about giving in this trusting, this faith manner, because 10% just represents the whole. 10% is a significant part because that is 10%. And he says, but your representative saying, I trust God, I revere God. In fact, here's a a paraphrase I love about this verse. The, The Living Bible says it this way. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. What a great way to put it. The fact that if we give in this fashion and we trust God by faith, we're saying, God, we know what you deserve. You deserve first place in our lives and everything, including our finances. Giving is a statement of faith in God, that you are first, that you deserve honor, and it's a statement of faith in his supply because, God, I'm giving this, trusting you're going to take care of the other. And I'm giving to you first because I think that's a huge statement of faith. Which takes me to one of the other famous biblical passages specifically on tithing as far as giving. The book of Malachi, chapter number 3. Here's what the prophet says. God speaking through the prophet says, Will a mortal man rob God? God says, Yet you rob me. But you ask, How are we robbing you? Here's God's answer. In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. Test me in this, God said. You want to talk about faith? He's saying, will you do this and trust that I'll take care of you? There's there's no other place in Scripture that we have this kind of an injunction to say, test God. He doesn't tell us to do it any other way except our finances. He says, will you test me? Will you, if I give my tithes and offerings, I believe God, will you test me? That's a challenge. God's throwing down the gauntlet and said, are you going to trust me or not? Will you test me in this? That's exactly what God, it's a challenge of faith. But this verse also teaches us some other principles. And that is that, that where, not only we know the source, that as Abram, where it came from, but he asks a question. Will a mortal man rob God? That's a, that's a dumb question, God. Of course we're not going to rob you. He said, but you are. How is that possible? In not giving your, your tithes and your, your offerings. Okay, so this teaches us another principle. The third one would be this. Giving is a recognition of ownership. It's recognizing who actually this all belongs to. Abram recognized his source was God, but he takes it even further that when, when we talk about our things, your house, your cars, your money, your, your retirement, all those things that we, we consider, do you realize that none of it is truly yours? And I don't mean because it belongs to the bank. I'm, I'm talking, do you recognize that none of that is yours? Everything that we hold on to is on loan from God. It's a gift from him. It doesn't belong to us at all. In fact, here's how Psalm 24 put it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Every person, everything, it all is God's. We don't own this. None of it. And that's probably one of the biggest principles that we have to hurdle over is that this isn't mine. This belongs to God. He has allowed me to use it. So he has the privilege then to say, and I ask you to give back some of what already belongs to me. And that's where giving, it's it's a recognition of ownership. That's why we say Abraham was giving back. And here's the thing we got to learn. Do you recognize that if we don't get this right, that at some point we start robbing God? Oh, I would never rob. God says it all belongs to me. So if you're not giving back to me, then what are you doing? 
I ask you to give it, you don't give it, then God refers to you as a thief, as a robber, because you're not giving as God has said. Now, there's a lot of discussion in churches, religious circles, about whether we as New Testament Christians are expected to tithe. Because we, the commandment was, in, I mean, this was given hundreds of years. These were Jewish people he was talking to. But let, let's make sure, a couple of things. Remember, the tithe didn't start with Moses. The tithe started with Abraham 500 years before a law was ever in place. This wasn't a principle, a percentage that God gave to the Jews. It was a principle that God gave to his followers that a priest that we have no idea where he even came from showed up and took 10% as a representative of God. So we, we can't use the law thing as, a, as an out. Here's, here's what I know. As New Testament Christians, we should be learning to give by grace and faith, and that should go way beyond the tithe. But I honestly believe that the starting point for us is the same as it was for them. A great way to look at it is, am I willing to trust God with that first tithe of what he's given to me? Let me show you one more why before I get to a how. And that's gonna, we're going to move to the New Testament. Takes us actually back to our opening passage, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, remember Timothy was told to command the people to be ready to give and so forth. Well, before you get to that, let's go back to verse number 9. And, and, and Paul talks about a very interesting group. He says this, he says, command those who want to get rich. He says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, please be understanding. He didn't say money was the evil. He didn't say that, that being rich was evil or bad. That the, what you, the, the possessions themselves are not bad. It's that lust. It's that eagerness. It's that wanting to be rich that has a problem. He actually says that the lust for money, that's our word avarice, the greed for money is a problem. It's going to cause pain. It's going to cause us to do things that we would not, if I got to have it, I'm never satisfied with what I have. I got to have more. I got to have more. I got to have more. Will cause you to do unthinkable things. To do things you can't find, you can't believe you would do those because of a lust, a eagerness to be, to be rich, to have more, including unbelievable pain and grief. God says, I'm trying to help you here. Which leads us to this last principle of why. Giving is a remedy for greed and selfishness. When we give in a heart that God has designed, it, there's, a, there's a, rem, a medicinal purpose in this. Go back to right before the verse that we talked, verse 18. Verse 17 says this. He was also command those who are rich in this present world. Okay, let's stop right there. Because some of you just read that and said, well, that's not me. <laughs> I'm not a lot of things. You would not call me rich. Okay, let's, let's put it in perspective. If you had a place to stay last night, if you had at least a full meal yesterday, and if you had a change of clothes that you put on today that was different than yesterday's. In fact, some of you probably did three changes of clothes yesterday. You had pajamas that you got out of. You put on clothes that you worked in. And then before you, get, then you came home and changed again, perhaps. And then you put on a new set of pajamas. So most of you put on three or four sets of clothes yesterday. If you had one set of clothes you changed, you had a meal, do you realize that you're in the top 15% of the richest people in all the world. There are people in countries that we've been to, parts of Haiti and Guatemala, that would look at us and go, what in the world are you crazy Americans talking about? So, so let's just be honest. If you have an income 
based off of, of, of taking care of your needs, I think we would fall into this category. But whether you consider yourself rich or not, notice what he says. Command those who are rich in this, par- this present world not to be arrogant, in order to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. What a great truth. God gave it to us, and he, he wants us to enjoy it. Fantastic. But then he gets to the verse we started with. Command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, and be generous, ready to give and willing to share. What is the antidote for greed and selfishness? Command them, rather than be arrogant, to give. Do good works and to give, to share. That is God's remedy for the problem of greed. And he goes on in verse 19, In this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age that they may take hold of life that is truly life. He says, you want to know the design for life. You're not going to know it by heart. It's not about having more and more and more and more. It's about learning how to give and give and give. You want to know what real life is? Catch the principle of being willing to be generous with what gives what God has given you and be willing to share that, which is very much what Jesus said. Do not store up for yourselves, Matthew 6, treasures on earth where moss and rust and they destroy, thieves break and seal, but store up treasures in heaven where things cannot break through and steal and then that's when Jesus says for where your treasure is there your heart will be also he says yes treasure is not the evil it's learning how to deal with that treasure it's not it's nothing about having more it's a, a, a it, it's all about God having more of your money you having God in the middle of all that you have in all of your your financial dealings all right so this morning Obviously, we spent most of the time talking about the why, and I think that's important because there is a why to the give. But I want to I, I get to the how because, as we've said, it's one thing to know what, what you want to do, but if you don't have an understandable how, then you may, you may have trouble getting there. So I want to I share with you something that I, I hope is a, to help us get to the next step of giving. I want to share with you, we're going to call this the ladder of generosity, and I want to give you just a simple, tr- because I want you to think where you are and where God might have you to, to be. And, and here we know on this ladder of generosity, it's about, uh, we're talking about financial peace and, and that as opposed to the stress. And those things, neither one have to do with how much you have. It has to do with how much God has of it, where you are in at peace with those things. And as we've said, giving is a way to, to help us take that. So what, what I've got here is um, a, a circle, and, and this is just, these are some statistics. I don't know names involved behind these percentages, I, but I, I just looking based off some of the median uh, income and so forth of our area, we just did some figures on 2018 giving, and I want to use those to help us talk about this, this particular ladder. In order for us to get to where God has called us to get to, if you're going to be a giver, take the next step, well, you first got to get on the ladder, okay? You got to get on the ladder of giving, all right? Because if you never get on the ladder, then you're never going to grow. And so for some, that's where it starts. Let me give you an idea. In our church last year, we had, and we're talking of members and regular tenders, okay? People who, this is your home by all counts and purposes. You, whether you've joined here yet or not, which I hope you will, but if you haven't, that you, you're a regular tender here. Of all the regular tenders, 22% of our regular tenders do not, did not give anything last year. Uh, in any records of anything to the church, okay? So what we have here is we have the 22%, and that's right now you're, you're here, okay? You're not on the ladder yet, okay? So our first step on the ladder would be very simply 
that we would have the initial givers, and that's the first step. So my, my prayer is for you is that if this is where you find yourself, that, that maybe by the end of today you'd say, God, I, I'm going to trust you that I'm going to start giving something. Just going to get on the ladder. Get started. If I didn't give anything, then I will begin to give something. Let me give you a couple of encouragements. Some of you, I know you're saying, but I can't give. You just don't understand, and I get that. Financially, it might be a really struggle right now. You don't have any good income coming in. I get that, and, and so does God. Some of us, here's what we have to be honest. Some of us, it's not what's coming in. It's we have problem managing what's coming in. We're spending 110% of what we're bringing in. But do, can I just encourage you with that? There is help. I mentioned a couple names earlier. There's some folks in our church who would love to sit down, help you figure out how to, how to get some of your finances in order so that maybe you can start. To, so if you're there and you said, I just really, you don't understand my bills. I can't. So maybe your issue would be sit down and let's, let's, let's talk about how to manage your money. But my, my suggestion is start. Get on the initial giving rung of this ladder. And to do that, this, I can't find a biblical precedent for this. I'm just going to give you a suggestion. I'm not talking, you know, you got an extra link and you throw it in the plate. I'm talking schedule this. Maybe $50 to $100 every month, that would be your starting thing. Because that's going to mean you're going to have to put a little thought into it. Maybe have to give up a latte here or there. But, but actually say, God, I will start giving in some kind of, to move from, from not giving at all to this next, this next level. Now, here's what we also know. From our church, out of the, the people that come to our church, we have about 50% of our people who give, but they, they don't give a, a, a percentage. They don't give a, a tithe, if you would, based on the, the numbers of our, of our particular culture. So what I'm, gonna, what I'm asking or what I'm encouraging or challenging you to do is to take the step and become a proportional giver. That you, you begin to do, as we learned from, from Abraham and from the Israelites, there's this idea of planning it in the sense where, clarify Now, let me make, sure, make sure we understand that when Abraham talked, of, when Abraham gave you a tenth, that was what it was. It was a, a tenth. Just because you, you give an offering doesn't necessarily mean you're giving a tithe because a tithe was very specifically. I have $10 bills, okay? A tithe means that I have 10, I'm going to do what? I'm going to give one. It's very simple, okay? But, but here's, here's the problem we all have to be, it's pretty easy for me to give one, because one ain't going to buy much. One may get me a soda at McDonald's, and that's about it. And with tax, I can't even do that, right? Okay? One's not going to get you a whole lot. What happens is this gets a little harder when these become tens, because with $10, I can do a couple things. With t- I can buy two lattes at Starbucks, small lattes at Starbucks with $10, okay? <laughs> all right? But it gets even harder when these tens become hundreds or that hundred becomes thousand. And now I've got a living, I'm, I'm making a career, and, I, and, and God's asked me to give a tenth, a percentage. That's where, here's the thing, I heard this said this week. We freak out about the zeros, don't we? Do you understand God doesn't freak out about the zeros? He, the God who gives you ten can also take care of the thousand that is needed for the, it's about trusting him. It's about that statement of faith. It's about doing what God has, has called you to to do and making, it's setting down and saying what is, and some of you might not be able to jump from here to 10%, perhaps, 
But take a step. Begin to sit down. Maybe you sit down with your finances this year as you're starting the new year, and you say, so how can we start saying, and, and when I'm talking about offerings here and, and the tithes, that, that includes your offerings as far as the missions and all. That's all that proportional. And you sit down and you say, to tithes and my offerings, I think I can, we can give this much. You begin to make it a regular habit because 50% of you that were giving, if you started giving proportionately, just think of what, according to what God has said. This becomes, some would refer to this as obedience giving. It's a matter of just doing and in a sense of what God has called us to do and, and moving up on, on that ladder. I heard a preacher say this, and maybe you've heard this story, that he had a guy come to him and he was excited, the Lord had blessed, and he was scheduled to make $100,000 that year in his business. He said, if I make $100,000, i am going to give $10,000 to the church, preacher. So he did that. He gave in a couple years and he gave every year. But he came about three years later and he said, preacher, i got to stop tithing. Preacher said, why? He said, because my business is just exploding. I made $300,000 last year. That would be $30,000. And the preacher said, i got an easy solution. I'm just going to pray that you lose your income back to $100,000 so that you can start tithing again. <laughs> you see, God's not worried about the zeros. That bothers us. But we trust him to give proportionally. Here's the last, the last move, and this is... If you're already giving, you're already proportionally giving, especially if you're giving a tithe, then here's what I want to suggest, is that you start thinking about God making you an extravagant giver. An extravagant giver, it, it, this, this was something that you've settled and you're working on, but now that you've worked on it, you give proportionally, and God is working in such a way, and you're able to give with, with a need that comes, someone who has a need that, when God, now you're talking legacy gifts, you're talking about making an impact in, in a way beyond a proportion, beyond, beyond giving what I feel is necessary, now I'm giving extravagantly. See, we had, last year we had about 28% of our congregation was actually tithing. So if those 28% were able to move to ex- extravagant, and the extravagant givers then become those who are who are, we're just, we're doing things as extravagant givers that are just beyond reason because God has supplied and we give. See, here, here's this very simple how. Where are you and what could be your next step as God has called you to do? Now remember, extravagant giving does not necessarily have anything to do with how much. Remember the, the widow? The widow gave two coins and God, had, she gave more than Extravagant is just giving from your heart what God has called you to give. And being able to do it because you've learned the principles and you're able to move. Here, here's a verse that I want you to think about as we're looking at this. In, in second, what are you all nervous about? I fell off a ladder once, okay, and my wife can't get over that. Okay, here's the point. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here's my last question. It has to do with who. Who do you want to become? Based on what I've learned giving this week and based on that verse, God, I want to be a generous, cheerful giver. I want to give because it's just going to make an impact. I don't want to give because I think I have to. I don't want to give because, oh, if, you know, any fear. I want to give because, God, you've supplied and there's a need and I can give. Or you get laid on my heart and I, I want to be cheerful. I want to, I want to become a cheerful, generous giver. 
I want to become a preacher who's not afraid to talk about this because my heart is so just enraptured in, in giving that that's who I want to become. Who, who do you want to become in regards to your giving? On your, um, your connection cards today, there's a couple of next steps. I'd invite you to take a look at those because it, I, I want to wrap this up by just encouraging you the first next step has to do with what we talked about. God gave us a gift of salvation. Have you received that gift? First and foremost, it has nothing to do with how much you give. It has nothing to do with your money at all or anything you could ever give. It's you receiving the gift of God through Jesus Christ. So my question for you today is, have you at some point recognized your spiritual debt to God and that Jesus paid it when he died on the cross? Have you received the gift of eternal life? So those first two would have to do with you. But number three is where I want you to look at. And I've asked a couple of guys to hand out a card today that I want you to, each week I'm giving you a challenge. So if you guys that have these cards, would you hand these out for me real quick? I, I, this is what, it's called First and Ten. And it's just a challenge that I want to encourage you to think about. And it would have to do with taking your next step. Now, you can notice at the bottom there is a, a line for your name. You don't have to sign. It's not up to you. But... If you do sign, I promise you, for one, that I'll pray for you. And two, um, I, I will probably send you a card later just to encourage you, but I'm not going to hold you accountable and say, hey, you pro I'm not, that's not my goal. This is just to help, help be encouraging to you. But my thought is, for, I want to give you a challenge. God gave us a challenge about giving. Why can't I give you one? So my challenge is, would you take maybe that initial step? And you haven't really been giving, and maybe you would take that step. Or if you have been giving, that you would say, okay, God, Let's move that up to percentage and even possibly a tithe of everything that comes in I would give. Or I've been giving, those, that's where I'm at, but God, I, I'm going to trust you to help me to be extravagant this year, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to move to that, to that level. That might mean you, now you don't earn to save, you earn to give. You, you just change the whole perspective of what, what all this financial stuff has to do with. But I want to challenge you, and even if my, this challenge was set up to be 90 days, February, March, and April, just challenge you for the next 90 days to take that step and see, see what God does in your life. See if you'd be willing to take that next step. And if that's, if that's you, I, whenever you leave today, if you want to take that, and, you, and even, if, again, if you put your name on it, I will pray for you, and I will, I will honestly encourage you in any way I can. But you can put this in the box as you leave. You can hand it to me. You can put it in the connection card box. But I think it's been very clear. God, what? Let's take a next step. Why? Giving is just so integrated into the scriptures. How? Let me just encourage you to take whatever next step that looks like. Because I want to become a generous giver.